Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. GX Wolfine, musicologist, creative arts journalist, and multimedia pro. Whether you're watching the video version of this show or the audio-only podcast version, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in this show. If you enjoy this programming, there are several ways to help support Truth and Rhythm, as well as contribute to further enhancements and expansion, plus get some sweet perks and rewards in the process. First, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, which is where Truth and Rhythm lives, and be an advocate by spreading the word among fellow funk, jazz, and R&B music lovers. Second, join Truth and Rhythm's new membership program through Patreon, which features three tiers for truth believers, Truth Seekers, and Truth Crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff merchandise and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth in Rhythm Mothership musician, producer, and songwriter Levi Caesar Jr., best known as a founding member of Prince's New Power Generation Band, featured primarily on bass and guitar while touring and recording extensively with the MPG from 1987 to 1993. He can be heard on amazing Prince records like Sign of the Times, The Black Album, Love, Sexy, Graffiti Bridge, Diamonds and Pearls, and The Love Symbol Album. Having also worked with related acts like Sheila E., Madhouse, Rosie Gaines, Brown Mark, The Time, Mavis Staples, and George Clinton, he presently serves as the musical director and lead guitarist for a musical collective called The Purple Ones that honors the Minneapolis Sound's legacy. Levi, how are you, man? So good to have you. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so yes, we can sir. tell that you're on the move. You're mobile today. Uh, where, where are you about uh, in the world today? Oh, okay. So I am in uh, Concord, California. And uh, I, like I told you earlier, I was just uh, helping a friend out. They had a doctor's appointment, you know, and uh, we, we got to help each other these days, man. A lot of people uh, uh, are passing out of here, man. And uh, if whatever we can do to keep them here, let's try to help. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> so I'm and doing that. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. 
No, no, that's all I'm doing that and talking to you about some fun on yeah. a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day in California. And I want to just explain to people so they're li- if they're listening or watching, you know, forgive Levi a little bit with the uh, raspy throat. You've been getting over a cold. So uh, glad you're on the mend. Uh, but just want to let everyone know that uh, you may be a little raspier than usual. So you'll be doing your best yeah. Barry White, like you said. The well, Barry White thing, yeah. <laughs> it's the love connection, maybe. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. So, uh, Levi, what uh, drew you to, uh, you know, guitar in the first place? And I know you came up, like, in a church environment, and you're playing from a young age. Uh, can you just talk about that a little bit to give uh, listeners and viewers a, a sense of that? My grandmother, she was a uh, a pastor of a church and in California, which was unheard of. There was very few female pastors, and she happened to be one. But she was also a musician. She played a little bit of guitar, if you can wrap your mind around that. Mama Thorpe. <laughs> and so she told me when we were early, when we were really young, she said, uh, I don't want a quiet church. I want a, a church to be, you know, praise and joyous and everything. So I'm going to teach you guys what I know uh, on the guitar and drums and whatever. And then you take it from there. Okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because we love music, man. My whole family, they sing and play. Um, and so um, she, if there's a scene in the Ray Charles film, you know, where there's this kid, he always uh, peeking into the store. And this guy, this you know, guy plays piano. And, and then he notices that the kid is kind of sneaking. So he catches him one day. He said, oh, you like music, huh? Come on in here. And so he sits down and he goes, you know, there's only three notes you need to know. And he plays the notes and ever, you know. So it was kind of like that for me. My grandmother, she only knew like three chords in music. But from that, you know, it, it is true. Most most very complex songs are built off of simple chord structures. And so she taught me those three and then and uh I was hooked, man. I was in. Like A D and E. Uh yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, well, I should say a chord a chord progression, you know, one, four, five patterns and things, you know, basic blues stuff. Mm-hmm. And and uh from there, you know, you you, add, you know, you add your you learn your major sevens and all that stuff, raise nines and stuff. You learn that later on. But those basic chords will get you through through most things if you know what you're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And so I was hooked, man. And so from those three chords, you know, you learn other chords. You talk to other musicians. And and uh, and, and I always tell people, I said, you know, church was the the best playground for learning by ear. Because trust me, at six years old, I had some challenges. For example, so we we start our service and and some um, it might be some old old lady might just stand up and start singing. You don't know the song, you don't know what key it's in, you don't know where she's going with the song, you don't know her arrangement of the song, and she starts singing. You have to follow her, right? <clears throat> and if you didn't follow her the correct way. One of the elders in the church would tap you on the head. You're not playing it right. <laughs> so after a few taps like that, you get it right, you know. Yeah, I mean, that was literally how it was. I know it sounds funny, but that's how I was trained. 
Yeah. Well, and funk has gone so much back to the church too. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 it definitely has, man. It's got that kick it, you know, stomp the floor and clap your hand thing. You know, I love it, man. You know, uh, there, there have been times when I wish that I hadn't learned music that way, that I would have wanted, went a different route where, you know, you go get trained and you learn all the chords and you read, because that made it difficult when I when I tried to introduce that into what I do, it was kind of difficult because I had learned how to play by ear. So once I hear something, I'm like, oh, I know where that's going, instead of reading what was there. So you know, um, so there, there's been moments in my career where I wish, like, ah, I wish I had learned the other way. But overall, I'm glad I learned the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And- and I understand that uh, Don Cornelius played a role in helping you get started. What was that about? Oh, man, a significant role. Um, you know, not to get over, uh, you know, um, uh, ethereal, but let's let's say, uh, you know, in, in, if, and when you look back on your life, uh, and I can say that now, I'm uh, 62 years old, when you look back on your life, you think about a certain events and if this hadn't happened, that wouldn't have happened. And this hadn't happened. That, so there's no way I would have been ready for somebody like Prince without meeting the Don Canaries first. Because he taught me how to listen and 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 take in information instead of, you know, running like we said, we had a saying like quit running your mouth. <laughs> You know, when you're young, you think you know everything. And Don was like, you know, hold up, youngster. You don't know anything. And he, that was the first thing he said. Levi, I always remember, you don't know anything and know who you're talking to. And so, and, and that's very important when you meet somebody like Prince, who's a genius and knows a lot of stuff. So you don't want to come in with your little knowledge trying to tell him something. <laughs> You know, and so I, I, uh, I'm very thankful that everything progressed like it did. Because if it, if it hadn't been, I, I probably wouldn't have made it through day one with Prince. How did you get introduced to Don Cornelius? So I was playing with Rosie Gaines. This was way back in the day, way before Prince knew her, and I, and I actually introduced Rosie to Prince, but way before all that stuff. I was just playing in the nightclubs in the Bay Area. And, you know, it was a Rosie Gaines group, you know. And she had a, uh, it was a guy named Curtis Olson on bass, incredible player. But anyway, um, so I was just jamming with Rosie, man, one night. And uh, and I noticed while we were playing, there was this guy in the back of the the the, uh, the club. And I said, man, that guy looks like Don Canaries. But I'm like, why would he be here in this little club, you know? So I'm playing, evening goes on, you know, everybody's starting to go home. You guys still sitting there. All right. Now the whole, you know, the, the club is over, everybody's going home. He's still sitting there. And so I'm like, that's Don Canadians. I know it is. So I walk back and I say, you Don Canadians, right? He's like, yeah. And I, I said, man, what in the hell are you doing here? He said, I came to see you. I said, me? He said, yeah. He said, I heard about you in L.A. And I'm putting a band together. And, I, you know, he said, I had some business meetings up this way. 
But he th- he said, I thought I'd come through and see if he could play. I didn't want to tell you I was coming. I just wanted to see. And he said, yeah, you can play. That's how I met him. Wow. What city was that in? Um, That was in, uh, I want to get it right. I believe it's Albany. Albany. It's near El Cerrito. The club was called Earl Solano's Club. They're not, it's not open anymore, but that was the spot back in the day where it's kind of like uh, the baked potato in LA, mm-hmm. but not as famous. But, uh, you know, Pete Escarito, Sheila come through there. Uh, let's see, um, Ray Oviedo, all those type of cats. Yeah, Northern come California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he came in there and I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, man, I, I don't know what to say. I'm honored, man. And you come out here, you know, and uh, I said, well, I hope you're satisfied. He said, yeah, so let's just all sit down, let's talk. And we talked, and then that's how our business relationship started off. Yes, sir. And Levi, what was your first professional, you know, either uh, show or recording session? It was with Don Canarius, yeah. Because you know, you know, he had he had the Soul Train TV show, but what what people don't know about Don Cornelius is he's a producer and songwriter. And so I'm taking you back to the days of when Solar Records first started. You know, him and Dick Griffey were friends back then, and uh, you know, Dick Griffey's like, "Hey, man, you got that TV thing? I'm doing a record thing. We need to." kind of combine forces and we'll kind of work together. And so Don was, uh, he said, you know, I do a little writing and I have a passion for um, for bands and artists and stuff. So um, I was, um, I don't want to say one of the first bands he worked with. I think I was maybe like band number three or four. But um, he I mean, he, knew what he, th- he knew what he was doing, man. He could write and produce and, and all of that. And so I would say, that was my first, what I would say, professional job. And d- did you have your own uh, band? Were you in a, a certain band or were you doing sessions? Uh, both. Um, he had some artists that he wanted us to, you know, do some recording for. But he wanted to do a project around us. The band at the time was called Turbo. I mean. I didn't like the name. I never did like the name. Well, like Turbo Charge. Is that what you're saying? Like the Power Rangers or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back then they had names like that. He's like, you know, Turbo Funk. You know, you know I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so, um, but uh, excellent musicians in there. Uh, there's a guy on the bass named Melvin Davis. He's on a lot of the uh, smooth jazz funk records. Uh, he plays with Lee right now and stuff. Incredible guy. But, but at the time, we were put together to back an artist um, by the name of O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he had a song called Love Light and Gigolo. And, and he, you know, he I'm, had some I'm fame. freaky, and I'm, he also did the yeah, Soul, yeah. Train, Soul Train theme, too. Yeah, so, and then, so we went, we were on Soul Train a lot, you know, playing behind him and uh, Phil Don's other groups. Yeah. So it was an interesting time. So, so to me, it was my first job, but I got kind of the whole 360 of what was going on because we had television and radio all in one WAP, you know, on the first time around. I'm like, wow, this is, man, I was trying to soak it up, man. 
Yeah. And so you're playing guitar or bass mostly? Uh, guitar back then, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole bass thing, that only happened because when I got my first uh, recording in the studio, you know, Tascam Fortnite, I was having a hard time getting bass players to come over and lay down some tracks. So I said, you know what? I'm going to buy me a bass, you know. Cause I let me learn this, and because I can't be waiting, I want to I want to learn this craft, but I can't be waiting on musicians, you know. So that's how that that started, and you know, guitar and bass is related. Oh yeah, there's so many more uh, bass players that came from guitar. I don't know too many bass players that ended up on guitar, but you know, like Rusty uh, started on guitar, Bootsy started on guitar, um, uh, Stanley Clark. Yeah. 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 So um, I don't know. It, it's, I mean, that's how I even got into it. Because people say, well, what's your main influence? I'm like, it's guitar. But a bass was kind of a side thing, but it was a natural side thing to pick up very easy. Yeah. Who, who were some of your, before Prince, who were some of your, you know, musical heroes? Um, you know, who'd you really look up to or want to play like or do music like? Um, man, uh I think my first guitar hero was Jimi Hendrix. And not not because I'm not a rock guitar player. Not, I'm not really a rock guitar. I can do some of that, but that's not my main thing. But Jimi was the first one that I said, wow, wow, what is he doing? Because it was a lot different than what I was playing in church. I mean, it was kind of almost a heaven and hell thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm here playing for the Lord, and then I'm going to hell with Jimi. <laughs> So, um, and I had to sneak those records, man, because, you know, I was church boy. It's like, oh, no, you know, Jimmy's the devil. And I'm like, boy, that devil can play, though. Man, he can play. And so my cousin had a, a pretty large Jimi Hendrix collection. So, I, you know, my mom was said, why do you want to go over to your cousin's house so much? I said, oh, we're just hanging out, talking about music. But he was exposing me to other guitars because he felt like um, if I was exposed to that, that would, you know, broaden my vision on what a, a guitar player could do or be. And then uh, Eddie Hazel, you know, he exposed me to Parliament Records. And and then uh, I like Ernie Isley. I was like, really like that because like, I mean, when I think about it now, you know, they were doing R&B and kind of this little rock thing together. It's kind of a different sound. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, um, but my real roots, I would say, it's kind of like more in the jazz funk. And um, so on the jazz side, George Benson was then my hero and still now to this day. Like when he plays, I don't know, I just go, man, that, uh, it just touches me, you know. Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of new cats coming up, but uh, George is the, the he's the guy for me. And then, of course, on the funk side, it don't get no funkier than James. You know, I look cats, you know, you can't, you can't get funkier than that. It's impossible. Yeah. That's the essence. Yeah, yeah. That's the essence. Yeah, yeah. That's the root. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Hazel and uh, Ernie, so influenced by Hendrix, too. So. Oh, exactly. It's all a circle. Yeah. But yeah, that was those were the ones that were kind of listening to back then in the day. Yeah. Yeah, all guys I love. Um so 
I saw that you did you record with Bill Summers? I was looking at some of your credits before Prince, and I saw that was listed. And yeah, um, you know, I didn't know Bill Summers, but what happened was um, Sheila's brother, uh, Peter Michael. You know Peter Michael? I don't know him personally, but well, they call him Pito. Called yeah. Pito. Um, he was he was dabbling with some producing back in the day. And, you know, the Escovitos, they knew every musician on earth. And Peter Michael is the greatest salesman in the world. <laughs> and he he, t he said, hey, Bill, you know, I got some songs you ought to check out. And uh, he said, okay, well, you know. So Peter Peter Michael would come up with some songs, and then he'd have us come in the studio and lay our parts down. And it was interest interesting experience. And then after... Bill Summers had heard that he said, Oh, let's do some more stuff. And then I came in and then I got a chance to meet him. But a lot of the side stuff back then was uh, actually with Peter Michael because he kind of got me into the recording world. He introduced me to several people. And then uh, to bring everything full circle, I was joking about Barry White in the beginning. That was one of my first professional sessions, is for Barry White. Oh, Don Cornelius, uh, him, him and Barry were really good friends. And he says, uh, Levi, come take a ride with me. I got a surprise. Today. I said, OK, where are we going? He said, don't worry about it. You know, so we, we went over a beautiful house in L.A. And, uh, you know, a door opens. It's all this red plush velvet. And it's like it's like a love lounge, you know. And I'm like, man, where are we at? You know, and all of a sudden you hear that voice. Hey, Don, how you doing? This is, you know, who you got with you? He said, this is a guitar player I was telling you about, Levi. We're going we're gonna to put some, some guitar on some, a couple of your songs, you know. Barry had a little project studio and uh, took me downstairs and said, turn on the track and, and show me what you got. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I can just so, imagine uh, hearing Don, Don has quite a voice, too. To hear Don and Barry White talking must be... <laughs> Oh man, it, it was like I'm, I'm like this little, little weasel uh, commoner, and you got the two titans just talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it felt, but it was it was great, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, uh, what an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm blessed, man. Yes. So, how did you end up? Uh, did you you first got with Sheila, right? So, um, you. Is that right? You got with Sheila first, then the Prince? No, that's complicated. Okay, so before Sheila, uh, well, no, I no, actually, let me get it straight, man. Okay, so what happened is um, when Sheila, you know, when I was, I used to play with Sheila in the uh, the club scene, you know, when she just had a it was like a jazz fusion band. We were just gigging around, and we played at Old Solano Club. I was playing with her, and then Sheila got a call to go on tour with Marvin Gaye. So she left the Bay Area for a while. While she was gone, her and Prince connected, and they did the Glamorous Life. And so now I'm like, wow, Sheila's gone, but wow, a lot has happened since you've been gone, you know? Like, you're an artist now. Now you're Sheila E and the whole thing. And so it had been almost a year since I saw her. And then I heard she was in town. And she was over at SIR, where you, where we used to rehearse. 
So I, you know, I, I missed her, man, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to pop in just, just to check on her and see how she's doing. So I drive over there, and I'm like, man, what is, what's going on at SIR today? It's a lot of people here. And little did I know, she was having auditions because she was putting a new band together for her Sheila E. tour. Now, now she had she had a band, but she was revamping the band. And so um, I just happened to pop over, and, and uh, so I walk in the big room, the rehearsal room, and uh, she's sitting on the couch, and I, you know, went hugged her, and sat down. I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" A lot of people here. I mean, the line was all around the block, you know. And she's like, "I'm having auditions today for." Uh, she says, "I need. I'm, I'm revamping a band, but I don't know exactly what I want. It's kind of like I know it when I hear it, you know." I'm like, "Cool. You, you mind if I hang out?" Said, no. So I sat with her. And, we listened to maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 musicians that came up. And what she did for the audition, she had them play a song called Love Bazaar by Prince. And she wanted to see if they could cop that Minneapolis feel. And, uh, you know, Prince, uh, I tell musicians, I say, you know, Prince really does have his, like, he's a funkster, but he's got, he does have, they, I mean, the Minneapolis sound is real. There's a certain way you play it. There's certain techniques you have to do to get that sound. And there's a feel. You have to have that feel. And I, it's hard to explain. It's like either you hear it or you don't. And the people that know the sound, when they go, they go, hey, that's it. That's it. You know. So we're sitting down. And uh, I've been familiar with, um, you know, Sheila's records. And so I'm sitting there. We're listening. She's like, man, I'm just not getting what I what I want. She says, she said, you know, um, I, she knew, she knows me as a guitar player, but she had heard that I played bass as well. She said, just for fun, would you audition on bass for me? And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I want you to audition on bass because I'm not getting what I want to anyway. So, I mean, it couldn't be worse than that. So I said, okay. So I knew that feel she was looking for even though she didn't know anything about me listening to Prince. So I, I went up there, and she's like, ah, that's it. <laughs> so she says, look, I know you guitars, but, I mean, I really need bass right now. So would you, would you do, the, do me a favor, just play bass for me for a little bit? And as soon as we can, I'll switch you back to guitar. And I'm like, well, yeah, Sheila, you know, I'm a musician. I, you know, whatever I got to do. So that's how I got in Sheila's band. Now, um, now I'm in Sheila's band, and then uh, Prince would come to a lot of our rehearsals. I, if if I didn't know better, I swear he had an apartment in San Francisco because it seemed like he was there all the time. You know, at least once a week he was there, and he just come in and you know have shades on. He just start jamming with us, you know. I mean, he and Prince knew about some groove, man. So whatever instruments, the piano, he knew just the right piano part to play. If it was bass, he knew just the, man. He, I mean, he's the, ult, the ultimate jammer. So we, you know, so we hanging out. And I'm getting to know him a little bit. Um, and then um, sometimes we would go to L.A. 
and hang out in the LA area at Sunset Sound. So during that time, Prince, well, he he know he knows of me now. So he he told Sheila to bring me along. He said, "Bring Levi with you." And I'm like, "Wow, he, yeah, he invite me to the session. What's going on?" And so that was the beginning of the flesh sessions, if you know anything about those. Yeah, and we just, man, uh, it was like Disneyland, man. Prince had all these empty Ampeg tapes in the hallway. And he was like, bring in a tape. And he was like, okay. And we just jammed for 15 minutes until the tape run out. He bring yeah, in another that, one. That's like right in between, uh, like, Parade and Sound of the Times? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, so listeners we had, know where we're talking. Yeah, we had some some stuff called junk music and all, all kinds of things, man. And we just we bring in a tape, and man, we must have did maybe twenty eight songs, thirty songs during that time. So you know, I'm starting to v- develop a rapport with Prince, and um, and then you know we went on the road, um, and then we you know we there was one tour we opened up for Prince, and that's when the Tony Tony was in our in our band, in Sheila's band. Three members from the Tonys were in that band. And so, you know, it was competition now. You know, we couldn't go out that week. Uh, Oakland had to represent. So we, uh, you know, we gave it to Prince a couple of nights. <laughs> Let's put that on the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, he was checking out the sound. And um, and I'll never forget, man. Then, then we went on to open up for Lionel Richie. I think it was the Outrageous Tour. So we're on the road, and um, Prince pops up at the show, and uh, and and then and when he got there, he was looking for me, and I'm like, "What, what is he looking for me for?" So he uh, he says, "Levi, I need to talk to you." You know, I'm like, "Okay." He says, "Well," he says, "I'm I'm putting a new band together," and. Uh, now, I'm not in his band at this time. He says, you know, uh, uh, Sheila's going to disband her band, and then Sheila and Bonnie is going to be part of this new band. I just finished the album, Side of the Times. I'm still tweaking on it, but I'm almost done. And uh, he says, man, I lo- but I love what you do, man, and you're going to be in the, 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 the Prince camp. You know, you know I'm, doing, I'm doing projects all the time, so. Don't worry about it, but this, what you guys are doing now is about to end. And then I'm going to do that thing. And I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, does Sheila know this? <laughs> he says, no, I haven't told her yet, but we're going to talk about it after um, after the concert. And so I'm like, man, this is big, really big changes, man, because we had just, we were like a three-month tour with Lionel, you know what I mean? It's like, we're not thinking about disbanding, you know? So anyway, make a long story short. Um, so all of that happened, just like you said. And about a week later, I get a call. Levi, hold on. Right? And I'm like, who is this? It was Prince's secretary. And next voice I hear is Prince. <laughs> Levi, you gonna you wanna join my band? And I'm like, Prince? I'm like, man, I thought you just no, well, I want you. He said, the only thing is, I know you're a guitarist, but I need you on bass. Because uh, I need I need that, you know, I need that kind of sound right now. And then when we can, just like Sheila told me, we'll switch you back to guitar. 
I'm like, hey, man, I'll play a cowbell if you want me to. To be in your van, I'm in, dog. So uh, he says, okay, well, uh, Teresa will give you, uh, you know, all the information. And rehearsals Monday. It was a Friday. I'm like, oh, my God. He said, you're going to be here for a while. So, you know, pack a lunch and a bag. <laughs> and so that's how I got into Prince's Band. Wow. Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. all that. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> mine's reeling a little bit, but um, as I'm sure yours was at that time. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> there was a time I was almost in the family for a quick second. For a really quick second. We'll, we'll share that one later. <laughs> uh so you so he he flew out to minneapolis or yeah yeah they flew me to minneapolis uh back then uh, the the go-to was we stay we all stayed at the residency and you know and, you know what, what i was really impressed with and really shocked prince was very organized man for a musician i i, I you know you know you know because i you know musicians you know they they leave a great grift on the on the you know on the earth with music and song melodies and things, but we're not always the most organized, you know. And Prince had like like Barry Gordy structure. You know everything was like rehearsals at this time, lunches at this time. We practice, you know, get some rest because we're doing a show. It was very. Regimented. And he always yeah. yeah he always had a notebook with him. He was always making notes making changes, edits. So I, I was really impressed with that because, I mean, his talent was through the roof. But to see that side, too, I'm like, wow, there's a method to his madness, you know? This is the real deal, you know? So so and I'm just like, and Don Cornelius always told me, man, when you're around a genius, just shut up and soak it up. Soak it up. Yeah. yeah. Don't be, you know, yeah, you got some little ideas, but this, if you're around a genius, why bring your little idea? Hmm. Why not try to trade those for some bigger ideas? So the first tour that you went out on, was it Sound of the Times or Love Sexy? Sound of the Times. Yes, sir. Yeah, so that was mostly overseas, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we hardly did anything in the States back there. And, you know, it, I, I actually forgot that we never toured the uh, states with side of the time you never did and i'm like how, how did that happen yeah well from like um after purple rain i mean he didn't tour the u.s much because uh parade he hardly did any shows in the u.s and then Son of Time, yeah. he didn't do any and he really came back with love sexy yeah yeah you know in america you know i, I love our country despite all the nonsense we're going through now but but uh, musically, America seems to like we give up on our classics too early. You know, um, everything is what's next, what's next, what's next, yeah. instead of celebrating what's already here and realizing how great that is. And yeah. um, and, it, and that was very, very much so in the music world. And I think Prince. He didn't discuss that a lot, but we did have a lot of private talks about that. He's like, man, I just love Europe because they they appreciate, you know, um, 
the time that you they can hear what what I'm trying to say. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to put my heart into it. I'm trying to take them someplace. Yeah. You know, like uh for example, now I I, I love the, I love hip hop. I love all of that stuff. But I'll I'll say I won't say all music. I'll just say um in the R and B music, I feel like we've kind of abandoned that's that sound, you know. You know they got that saying, "Man, what would Marvin Gaye say right now?" I mean, I, I'd be scared. Uh, they'd be shocked at where music is now. It's not the music that's dominating everything. Is not really. I hate to say it. I, it's almost not music. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's kind of jig, jigsaw puzzle. Like take this, put this with that, and then okay, that's a song, and then tune this up, and then. They, you know, it's not it's not from, you know, you, you know, practicing your instrument for years and years or practicing your vocals or practicing songwriting. It's coming from a different place. It's uh, it's like AI music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That's why, um, you know, a big part of this show, Truth and Rhythm, is to open ears and eyes and hearts and make sure that this legacy continues for all the great artists like yourself and so many others. They've done funk, R&B. And, and, yeah, and I, you know, and I think um, I like to take it a step further. I think music, man, when you don't have good music, you, you almost don't have a good life. You know, like like Jimmy Terry used to always say, man, music really is the soundtrack to your life. You know, there's memories. If you're feeling down, you got a favorite record, you can put it on, makes you feel better. And, but man, you take you try to take that away. It's like, man, what you got? You just got problems. Mm. Yeah, anyway, that's how I think about it. So, okay. All right. So what was it like for you being on that love sexy tour? I mean, did it blow your mind? Yeah, it blew my mind on you know, a lot of levels. Because uh, you know Prince is very competitive, man, you know. So, um, you know, Michael Jackson was doing this thing that year. And Prince was like, you know me, Levi. You know, I got to be sexy. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, and so he's like, you know, if you're going to be the best, you got to have one of the best stages. And so when he told us about that design, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, uh, still to this day. When I see some of the clips that they have out, I'm like, man, that was a hell of a stage, man. And uh, he knew how to work that stage. So, um, but like I said, you know, with Prince, he always he always had this, he would always have this phrase like, he'll say, now wrap that around your mind. You know, he said, play that, that video in your mind. He would say something like that. And what he meant was, and which he practiced, anytime Prince would have a vision or a thought, he would literally do that. He could see the concert playing in his mind in real time. And so, and then after seeing that vision in his head, then he would go back and then make that, what he saw, happen. And so when he told us all this stuff he, want, we, he was going to do, I'm like, man, that's, well, we got a lot of work to do. And he's like, yep. And, uh, you know, we rehearsed, I think, five months for a six-month tour. And we changed the show every night on the tour. 
with after shows, okay? So it was quite a challenge. But if you organize and you're structured, and um, he's a great general, you know, like he knew how to run the army. Like, you no, know, you do this, you do that. And if that doesn't work, you back up that, you know, and man, it was just amazing how he coordinated everything and had everything just in the right spot. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it's still mind blowing. Like, uh, you know, people say, well, what, are, what are the things you think about now? I said, man, I'm still decompressing from all of the stuff that we did because for some people, you know, you, you know, it's it's interesting how we experience time. You know, for me, I'm thinking about okay, did I play this right? Did I play that part right? Do the dance step, and for them, it just all played out. But I I remember that same time period totally different. Even though it happened, you you, you get what I'm saying without being too matrix like you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh. You know, so I'm really like, I'm still, so I'm getting to enjoy the music like a fan would. I can sit back because I'm not working. I'm just, I put it on, play it. And I said, you know, and I'm like, you know, that was pretty good. I'm glad to be a part of that, you know, but that, it was a lot of work. That Love Sexy Tour. I saw this show at the LA Sports Arena. I don't know if you remember that one specifically, but because um, I'm from Los Angeles and uh, it just blew my mind. I mean, I've seen Prince. 50, 60 times over the years from, from the Roxy in 1978, all the way up until, you know, not too long before he left us wow. and definitely love sexy was one of the top, uh, just because the stage, like you said, was just mind blowing. And also the performance was so great. And that band was so phenomenal. I love the costumes, the song, uh -huh. the piano rising, the, the basketball hoop, the Thunderbird, just incredible. Yeah. 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 He, you know, the, another thing about Prince, he can, whatever he's feeling, he's he's the best at making you feel what he's feeling. That's a hard thing to do. You know, you could be really happy, but someone says, well, how happy are you today? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know how to tell you, you know, but Prince can make you feel that. And I'm like, that's a, that's a gift, man. I mean, when he's screaming, you feel it. You know, the lyrics, you're like, wow. You can put yourself in that place and feel it. When he's taking a solo, like, it feels like you're on stage with him, you know? Oh, yeah. He's a uh, he's very spiritual dude, man. Yeah, well, and I think um, it's no accident that a lot of the uh, band members like yourself and, um, and Kip Blackshire and Morris Hayes and so many, uh, came from sort of a church background and have that spiritual sense within them, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, um, man, I know I'm being deep today, but, um, there's kind of two kind of spirituals, you know, most people when they hear the word spiritual, it goes through like a church thing. But I think if you're a spiritual person, you're kind of open to all kinds of spirits. Even bad ones. You know, you ever met somebody and you're like, you know, something about that dude is like, I don't know. You don't know what it is, but something's saying, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let him walk that way. I'm going to go this way because 
I don't know what that is. I think we all naturally feel that. I mean, some people feel it more. Some people feel it less. But I think of uh, Prince. Prince is like, he's tapped into it where he can feel all aspects of it, whether it's just a church thing or whether it's this or that. He can like feel a, like, all of those like things. Like an aura. aura um, yeah, 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 man. And then, you know, when it, if Prince writes a song and it's got a lot of pain in it, he knows how to write it in a way where you feel it. <laughs> or you you feel it the way you feel it, but you feel it. I, I, yeah, th- yeah. You know, uh, I think that also you're one of the names that he called out the most at shows, you know, Levi, you know, I mean, uh-huh. you yeah, must have yeah. got a kick out of that. Or was it pressure when he would call your name? No, you know what it was, and man, you know, people don't know this, but I spent an awful lot of downtime with Prince. I mean, they saw us on stage together, but we had a lot of conversations. I mean, it was, I mean, and I would say daily, really. And so when we were, when we were, when me and him were on stage, it was like, all right, let's relax and do what we do. And let, let's let our spirits kind of play. You know, and so um, I just think that was just a spirit. I mean, literally, it's a spiritual conversation on things, but through music. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what what do you think was uh, Prince's greatest among all his amazing musical gifts? Is there one that you think stands above the rest? So, to me, is it's kind of what Don Cornelius told me. Prince was the greatest sponge in the world. Like, if 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 he was around anybody for any period of time, and and there was something that he wanted, like he liked out of an artist, he could absorb that and then transform it into what he wanted it to be. You know, and I think that to me is the greatest gift because when. If you if you can't absorb things, how do you go to the next level? I mean, if you're not in tune with what's going on, how do you become greater? So I think that's to me that's a I don't want to say a secret of his greatness, but um, I think he had to have the gift of absorb absorb absorbing and listening, you know. Um, and then I'll say a second gift was. Knowing that if you want to get from A to B, you got to do the work. And, you know, he wrote a few songs about that, willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. You can't get from here to there just thinking about it. So when he had a line like, nothing comes to dreamers but dreams, no, nothing comes to talkers but sound, you got to do the work to get to that next point. And that's where most people fall off. Yeah, I want to do that, but I'm not willing to put all that time in to 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 find that thing that's inside of me. You know, they, they kind of want it to just happen quick, but it doesn't work that way. So sounds, anyway, I would say though, yeah. Well, I was gonna say that sounds like the kind of thing that might have been one of the best lessons you also picked up from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was the same lesson Don was trying to tell me, like, man, do less talking and open your ears and just be quiet and learn. It seems like an easy thing to do, but everybody on the planet, that's the hardest thing to do is just listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And he made you the musical director at some point, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, what, he did. Was that for like the Diamonds and Pearls era or is it before then? Uh, Love Sexy, actually. I remember we were doing those sessions. Uh, well, no, I'll say earlier than that was Sign of the Times. Because we were about maybe four or five weeks in. And then he had a meeting with him. He said, come in my office and talk. He says, now, you know, this is my band. <laughs> you know, I'm the leader. But uh, I want, you know, he said, I trust you to run a band. Because, you know, I was Sheila's music director as well. So he says, you know, I got a lot of things that I got to do. So if you, I want to put you in charge of these things under my direction. And, um, and then like, so for, for example, he had to go to LA a lot. And, um, so when he was gone, I was in charge of things. So he gave me some instructions and then he gave me a little, little leeway. He said, look, you can try your arrangements, but if I don't like it, I got to take it out. So don't get attached to anything. But he said, go ahead, do your thing. So I was like, oh, man, I'm so honored that he told me that, you know. So, you know, so in some of the shows, you know, some of those things were my things, you know, uh, or some things we collabed on. And I was like, man, it's, I couldn't believe it, man. So, but like I said, it was it was his way of being efficient. He's like, well, man, if you could do that and I can do this, now we can do all of this together. So, yeah. How much of a fan were you of his music before you got connected with him? Uh, I, I was a, I was a big fan, but I was never fanatical. <laughs> you know, like I was never like, oh, you know, it was never like that. Um, but because when his first record came out, I was like, how how does one person play all the instruments? I didn't even know how that was possible technically. And then I heard about Stevie Wonder doing it. And then I'm like, well, you know, I did my research and that's how I learned about multi-tracking and things like that. So I was really impressed with the fact that he could take his song from from idea to to you know to finished product by himself that was amazing and so i was a fan of that really like how do you do that and then how do you know how to be different characters on instruments to make it all feel like a band you know i mean it's one thing to know how to play you know a bass or a piano but can you play the piano like another person or not so it doesn't all sound like you you know, and he had the ability to do that. So I was I was a big fan of that, man. I remember playing some of his early records for musicians, and they would be in disbelief when I tell them he's playing all that. And they're like, yeah, no yeah. way, that's got to be different people. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much.